0: Trump campaign is now reaching voters online. You are seeing the president of the United States
1: look at the lines. Biden, 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 Biden. You join our movement. A lot of uh, President Trump supporters Greatest here. Greatest movement in the history of our country. Joe
2: Biden refuses, as the leader of the Democrat Party, to speak out and put an end. To the lawlessness. He's ashamed
1: of our country. The VA, uh, as I said earlier, was just a mess under the Obama-Biden administration. How many police officers need to be assaulted in the streets of Portland by radical left mobs in order for Joe Biden to condemn this?
2: I don't understand how we have leaders who think that it's okay to tell us as parents that our kids can go and get an abortion without our consent yet we have no right to keep them home from school. It's just, it's its completely hypocritical. Can't believe that he's calling these folks peaceful protesters. Well,
1: I think Joe Biden is totally on the wrong page on this, and he's completely out of step with where American women are when they talk about how to protect their families.
2: We are one people, one family nation under God. We will make America great again. Welcome to Team Trump Online.
0: There's no magic wand for that, Donald. You can't just make it happen. Well, abracadabra, buddy! They were obviously triggered. Biden is clearly on a teleprompter. This is why I wrote the book Triggered, folks! All right, everyone, we're back. We weren't scheduled for an episode of Triggered this week, but I wanted to bring you something special, because on Tuesday, my father, President Trump, signed the Great American Outdoor Act. This is a policy that's truly transformational in terms of funding preservation of the great American outdoors, our parks and our wildlife refuges. And from Fox News to the New York Times, the legislation has been celebrated as landmark. It's a landmark Land Conservation Act that hasn't been done since President Theodore Roosevelt at the turn of the 20th century. No one's done more to support and conserve the Great American Outdoors Act since then than Donald J. Trump. Now, you won't often hear that. This is obviously something that is near and dear to my heart as a fisherman, as a hunter, as an outdoorsman, as someone who really enjoys the great outdoors, so I'm super excited. The legislation that President Trump signed provides $900 million a year in guaranteed funding for Land and Water Conservation Fund so that all Americans continue to enjoy our parks and our wildlife refuges. It will also add billions of dollars for maintenance and backlogs, projects and repairs and upgrades at our national parks, so that you and your family and your kids can get out into the wild, check out the incredible beauty that is the United States of America. For all the talk about the environment, past administrations has done so little to actually invest in American land, parks, and monuments. And I think that Secretary Bernhardt of the Department of the Interior said it best yesterday. Five presidents, Nine secretaries of the interior, 10 secretaries of agriculture have worked on legislation to accomplish fully funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund or enhancing our national parks by addressing the backlog. Only one president has gotten that done. Only one, and that president is Donald J. Trump. Now it's worth noting that while this is a massive step for conservationists, it's not the president and his administration's first step. This was the one thing that I was involved at the end of 2016 in the transition. I wanted to make sure that we preserve our great natural resources for ourselves to create access, etc. So before this year's hunting season, the Trump administration will have opened up and expanded hunting and fishing opportunities on more than 4 million acres of public land. In 2020 alone. The administration will establish over 900 new hunting and fishing opportunities within federal lands. That means that you get to take your kids out into the great outdoors. Without access, you're going to take up something different. So it's just an incredible accomplishment. Again, it's one of those things that no one's going to talk about because things that are environmentally good that the president does get totally Totally neglected, you don't even talk about it, but opening up four million acres of land for sportsmen and women to get out there and to enjoy is truly incredible and a monumental feat. In Florida, President Trump has provided resources so that numerous programs and projects are underway to restore conserve and enhance the vitality of the Everglades. So that's all the coastal fisheries, uh, the Everglades, all of that beautiful, what they call, you know, the filter of the Atlantic, uh, you know, that filter that is uh, the Everglades and the amazing areas that are there, including $100 million to fight back, you know, the toxic, you know, blue-green algae and red tide uh, that has been so prevalent there, and much more money to shore up the dam system so that they don't get flooded and overwhelm that filter. In the Great Lakes region that includes states like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and even New York, President Trump has made significant progress combating the spread of invasive species including Asian carp, invasive mussels. Approximately 8.5 million pounds of Asian carp has been removed from the Illinois River. And in this year alone, 3 million lake trout and 250,000 lake herring were stocked into Lake Michigan and Lake Huron. In total, 370,000 acres of habitat have been protected, restored, or enhanced. In other words, this administration is doing a lot for our great outdoors, for our sportsmen and women, so that they can enjoy their public lands. I've spent countless hours, days, weeks, and even months traveling through America's great outdoors, I also may be, may be the only alumni of the Wharton School of Business, where my father went to business school, who upon graduation moved to Colorado to work in a bar uh, and to hunt and fish and make sure I got some of that stuff out of my system in your early 20s, because it's a little different to retire in your 20s than it is in your 70s, right? So, uh, I, you know, I did that. I've spent time in these places. I have enjoyed that sort of that great outdoor lifestyle. Uh, which is really a lifestyle for many Americans, and myself included. It's not something I do to talk about it at a cocktail party. It's something I actually do with my life. It's actually the way I live my life. And with the current pandemic and social distancing and business closures, I think many Americans are finding a renewed appreciation for the great outdoors, for being outdoors, for being in the woods, for being away from masses, for being maybe self-sufficient. I know that for me, many of the lessons I've learned and experiences I've had, fishing, hiking, hunting, shooting, just sitting around a campfire with friends and family, it's all so worth fighting for. And we should be proud to have a president who understands what's important and who's also willing to fight to get it done. So, with that, I wanna get off politics, off the issues, and instead celebrate America's great outdoors with two guests who've lived their life as true American outdoorsmen. You got Michael Waddell, again, the bone collector, and you got Willie Duck Commander Robertson here. Uh, You know, two guys that I've gotten to know uh, ever since I got to come out of the closet uh, as a New York City hunter. Uh, You know, I've spent time with these guys. Uh, They really fight for the great outdoors. Uh, Some of the most accomplished outdoorsmen I know. Uh, Just great all-around guys. Uh, And that's what I was sort of saying. You know, for, for me... You know, I may be from Fifth Avenue in New York City, Uh, Willie from Monroe, Louisiana, Michael uh, from Booger Bottom, Georgia, (laughs) and yet (laughs) I I never, I can't get through that one without laughing, Mike. But uh, (laughs) that's okay. And yet, around around the campfire, you know, in hunting camp or in fishing camp all that's forgotten and everyone is the same. I mean, you know, maybe we'll start with you, Willie. Like how, how'd you get into this? What does sort of the great American tradition uh, mean for you uh, as it relates to hunting in the great outdoors?
2: Well, I was 100% born into this. Uh, I didn't really have a choice. So by the Did you, time were you born with, me, the beard? Uh, with the just beard? While, I had a goatee when I was born uh, and it didn't fly <laughs> until I was about four or five years old. Um, now I was born into this. Uh, Dad was just an avid uh, fisherman and hunter, and uh, pretty soon he was, uh, by the time I have all my childhood memories, he was in the business. Actually, he was a commercial fisherman, uh, mostly, while he was trying to get this duck call off the ground. And then uh, the more we sold duck calls, the less we fished. So uh, then finally it was full-time duck calls, and and now it's a pretty big operation. So uh, yeah, I grew up my whole life doing it. Well, it's been an amazing thing.
0: And I, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of going down there and and hunting with you in Louisiana and your family. And one of the great compliments I've ever gotten in my life, and you wouldn't know this because I don't know if I've told anyone, was, you know, I shot with your brother Jace uh, one morning and they sort of brought a couple of guys who were probably basically there to shoot my limit. You're able to do that, you know, but, uh, you know, first birds came in and I basically went three for three on the first birds coming in as they were waiting to watch me flub because I was the kid from New York City. So, you know, I shoot a lot. It's what I do. I think they realized it then. But the first time I met your dad, you know, the duck commander, Phil Robertson, you know, the next day, the first thing he says to me was, I hear you can shoot. And uh, (laughs) so that that was one of the great compliments of my life. Because if you guys were talking about how I shoot behind my back, I was like, this is pretty good. So uh, thank you for that. uh, Mike, how about how about yourself? Talk about how you got into it and, you know, what what made you get into this and make it basically, you know, your lifestyle.
1: A lot like Willie. Uh, I've been friends with Willie a long time and, uh, and even the whole Robertson family. And same, I got started, I was real blessed to have a father and a pawpaw and really my whole family hunted and fished. And, and, and it's funny looking back, you know, it wasn't really even just a sport, you know, growing up in a place called Booger Bottom, obviously, I can promise you there wasn't nothing that we didn't take or put a tag on that we didn't have on the dinner table. And so I just assumed everybody hunted and fished. And I realized later that not everybody understood it the way we did. And so for me, it's just, it become a passion. It become a lifestyle. It was a culture. It's what I grew up, you know, eating squirrels, eating rabbits, that leading to an opportunity to hunt deer and seeing these conservation efforts come to pass to where we've got turkeys everywhere. We've got really Every species that's known to mankind that that lived in America is now back stronger than ever um, because, by the way, I'll throw this in there, because administrations like our president right now, you know, they care about the outdoors. And so for me, it just becomes something I love. But to be honest, I, I didn't realize the conviction I had to promote it until I got a little older and realized a lot of people didn't understand it. And a lot of people didn't have that opportunity. And so therefore, I've just been really blessed to uh, to be part of that voice and be able to talk about the the strengths of outdoors and, and hunting and fishing. And, and obviously it's a lot more than just going to fill a tag. It's, it's a lot of things you can do out there. So that was, I was like Willie. I just grew up with a father and, and a family that that's what we did. And we just take, we took less trips to the grocery store. Uh, we, we, yeah. we knew that good Lord had this renewable resources out there and we could take advantage of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it wasn't a ribeye we bought at the, uh, the store. It was literally, a. It was a rabbit, it was venison, yeah. it was a backstrap from a, from a white-tailed deer. And so I just, I took it for granted to probably up until recently, and I really realized that I really want everybody to truly understand what it's like to have opportunity to hunt and fish and and the accessibility we have out here in America right now.
0: Yeah, well, that, I mean, there's sort of two parts I want to respond to that Which, you know, this administration, despite all the noise that you hear, I mean, they've opened up 4.1 million new acres of public land access for outdoorsmen. Uh, you know, that's literally never been done since Roosevelt. Uh, you know, you keep hearing, you know, they're selling off public lands, which is totally false. But there's a lot of sort of well-funded liberal marketing campaigns, I think, designed to sort of divide the outdoor community. So, you know, it was awesome to see, you know, that act get signed this week to, you know, to fund the backlogs in our national parks, which are more for, you know, for people to enjoy the great outdoors. But again, opening up access. I mean, that's what we need to preserve this heritage. For me, I know, you know, with the outdoors that, you know, it kept me out of a lot of other trouble I would have gotten into growing up. I mean, if you're waking up at four o'clock to be in a duck blind or a tree stand or whatever you're going to be doing, uh, you know, you weren't going to be out. Now, I'm not saying I was an angel, and I know that neither of you guys were either. <laughs> no, uh, sir. But, but, but it could have certainly, uh, you know, been much worse. You know. Willie, talk about that, because I know, you know, we'd spoken, you know, even in 16 prior to the election about, you know, opening up the refuges, making sure that we can create access for children to, you know, again, if you've got to drive five hours to go hunting, guess what? You're taking up golf. Uh, if that's available and accessible to you and done in a responsible fashion, this is a really a renewable resource that can go on forever.
2: Yeah, it really is. Uh- Oh, well, I want to know. Michael kept talking about they didn't go to the store as much. I, I'm surprised there were stores in in Booger Holler. <laughs> that that was part of the problem,
1: Willie. They, we we didn't have a choice, but to, uh, there was not a lot of stores. It was a pretty good adventure to get to the grocery store. They but, just
0: got paper money last week.
2: I thought, like. <laughs> Willie, we're just enjoying this electricity right now. I mean, I. Uh, I oh, <laughs> I, I I hear you. Uh, no, I agree, Don. We we've got to make it uh, uh, better. You know, with all the the resources that we have and being outside I think we saw that more this year more than probably ever right I mean just since the beginning of the year uh people wanting to be outside and, and do stuff outside and uh yeah we we spoke about that back in 16 of making things more accessible uh so that people can go out and actually enjoy what it is because it's not if you're gonna have to travel that far to go Find property and fight everybody else to get in there. We've got plenty of property, uh, you know, for people to go out and enjoy and hunt and teach our youngsters about that. And yeah. uh, maybe that's a problem in some of these big cities. They need to get out in the woods more, and uh, they may they may calm down. Well, you know, I, I agree.
0: I mean, for for me, uh, you know, when it was like, hey, I'm in lockdown, I went up to my cabin. Uh, you know, in upstate New York, I was you know shooting and fishing. I mean, I had people complaining that I was fishing. I'm like, I'm on my land fishing. Like, what, what am I doing? I'm not around a, anyone within a thousand yards. But you know, more importantly, what was sort of interesting is when you you know at the beginning of this, when people weren't sure what was going on, there was a fear about a food run. I'm sitting there. I opened up my trunk freezer. I got I got venison sausage there. I got elk backstrap over there. I had uh, you know a, a couple of quarters of like a sword fiction that I had caught over over the holidays. And I'm like. Man, I mean, like a king, there was something sort of nice uh, about knowing that I was self-sufficient uh, you know, in, in this kind of crisis. And whether it was fish or meat, uh, you know, I had it all. I was eating better than I would have been if I was going out to restaurants in New York City. So, you know, Mike, you sort of grew up that way. But, you know, we obviously grew up in two totally different places. But to have the appreciation for the ability and the skill set to be able to do that, I mean, seems like something really valuable to get a kid into so they know how to do it.
1: It's one of the most important things, and I think society has lost the contact and connection with that. And, and Donald, you said it best. When the the China COVID crisis hit America, uh, and obviously it hit the world, but here in America and it hit this spring, well, obviously uh, we're going into turkey season and, and there is some spring hunting. There's spring bear. You got spring turkey. I love to hunt turkeys. So luckily for me, going out of that fall and looking at that same freezer like you're talking about, one that's at my house, I did have had tons of elk meat. I had venison. And so at the same time, as my wife is scrambling, trying to get toilet paper, literally, I'm thinking, well, honey bun, don't worry about getting no meat because we are good. As a matter of fact, not only have we have plenty of meat for months for our family, but we got meat for other families. So. Well, I was able to go through our freezer uh, along with the one I have at my house and the one I have here at the farm and along with my dad's. And we were able to provide meat for a lot of different families because people were going to the grocery stores the supermarkets. They couldn't find a chicken breast. They couldn't find a pork uh-huh. chop to grill, couldn't find meat to make a hamburger out of uh, And to me. That makes toilet paper irrelevant when you don't have anything to put in your stomach to need toilet paper. So obviously, uh, <laughs> when it gets down to it, I, I was I was sitting there thinking, wow, what a time to really explore and to understand what it's like, not just to hunt, and it's not about trophy hunting. It's about understanding the true balance and understanding that these good Lord's renewable resources are out here for us and to know that now, think about this, you, you tipped on it and when you were talking about what your father, our president, is doing right now in, in giving us more access to these public grounds that we have paid tax dollars into, uh, that now everybody, include me, you, and our audience here, has that opportunity to hunt for substance, for opportunity, for excitement, to to reconnect with the outdoors. And so I was blessed that most of my meat come from private ground. You know, I'm friends with the Robertsons. At any given time, the Robertsons can invite me down to duck hunt, at any given time, I can invite them to come hunt deer or turkey on my place. And so. We're blessed that we have places to hunt, but not everybody in the big cities, as well as throughout the country have access. But guess what? Uh, Our president has made sure that that's the case. Everybody's got opportunity. There's millions of acres that you too can explore. So when you talk about trophy hunting, the true trophy is, can you survive when a crisis hits? And it's been proven time and time again that there's nothing better than organic. We're in a world where organic is king. There's nothing more organic than elk backstrap. There's nothing more organic than uh, a, a mallard duck, than than a, yep. a gray squirrel. And so when it gets down to it, when you understand hunting, you can cut out the middle man. You're not dependent on Publix or Piggly Wiggly. You're dependent yep. on yourself and your ability to understand. And hunting is more than just a privilege, it, it's a God given right. And the good Lord put it there. Uh, and so when you understand that and you understand the joy of that, you, you live free. You have an opportunity. Now, we still, struggle to find uh, our fair share of toilet paper, but not venison. So so I, for me, that's my message hey. I wanna get out there is to be able to know that people have this access and no other administration, and I can't say it enough, has ever fought for that. Nobody has ever fought for that other than the Trump administration to understand the culture of the hunter and to make sure that not only that he can stand up for it, but to know it and understand it. And obviously you being a hunter, but knowing the importance of the culture that that we represent and so that's what i'm proud of in the world of all this discrimination uh, my president has proved that he don't discriminate against any culture he stands for all of us and even if he don't understand every attribute of what i go hunting for or what willie does or even his son you he still knows that it's something that is needed and that we need to protect and fight for and this culture is something that i believe thoroughly that from the rural areas to the city areas when you understand more about outdoors how to provide for yourself and your family, you're going to realize what um, uh, really a a huge benefit it is to having hunters in America. You also can understand what it is to be a benefit to be a hunter. And and I'm very proud of that. And I'm proud that the Trump administration has recognized that. And I'm very proud that he's opened up millions of acres and also has opened up millions of dollars so we can have this lifestyle to protect ourselves.
0: Well, thank you very much. So guys, we're going to go take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Michael Waddell and Willie Robertson.
1: Joe Biden's failed old liberal ideas would crush our economy just as it's recovering. Higher taxes on families, crippling regulations, trade deals that ship jobs to China. President Trump led us to the strongest economy in history. He did it his way, not the Washington way. And he's doing it again,
0: renewing, restoring, rebuilding. 2.5 million new jobs, the
2: biggest jobs increase ever, and he's just getting started. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message.
1: Joe Biden has embraced the policies of the radical left. Trillions in new taxes, crushing middle-class families. If you elect me, your taxes are gonna be raised, not cut. Amnesty for 11 million illegal immigrants. Citizenship for 11 million undocumented folks. Reducing police funding. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. The radical left has taken over Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Don't let them take over America. I'm Donald J.
0: Trump, and I approve this message. All right, guys, we're back. So, you know, Michael, you you had a good, you know, sort of segue into this the last time, and it was was sort of an interesting thing because it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, you know, Willie, I'd like to sort of ask you about this because I know you guys do the same. I mean, you talked about Michael, you know, having a full freezer, but also giving it to others, uh, and that's what I think is one of the big misnomers. The media wants to vilify people who are hunting. They talk about trophy hunting. For me, the trophy is being with my friends in a campfire, being away from a cell phone, off of a couch. Uh, you know, that's what it is. If I get a good meal out of it, you know, it's the experience that's the trophy to me. But. Also, one of the big things that seems to be neglected is, you know, what really hunters do for their community, whether it's functioning as a mentor, you know, bringing young people out, showing them a different experience, whether it's donating in programs like Hunters Feeding the Homeless, uh, et cetera. You know, Willie, I know you guys have done some stuff with that and have been sort of very active in promoting the lifestyle. Willie, you're one of the first people sort of on, on mainstream TV to you know, make it okay. And to be out there being like, it's okay to be a hunter. I know how hard that is as a real estate developer from New York. You know, when it came out that I was a hunter, I was attacked. I was vilified. And then, you know, I didn't do the, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll never do what I love to do again to appease, you know, some loser in California. I was like, I, I, it is what it is. This, these are the facts. These are what hunters do. I mean, talk a little bit about that because I think so many people lose uh, sort of the optic, what it is to be a hunter, the generosity of that, the sort of the commitment, uh, the perseverance it takes, all of these traits that are so lacking uh, today in our children, in society in general, uh, since, since you've been so good and instrumental, Willie, in bringing people into the great outdoors.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and, and say that a, bu- a bunch of those folks probably just don't understand hunting and what it is we do. If you've never been out there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a clue. And uh, if you want to think you know we're wasting meat or harming animals or you know i mean they're gonna put us in that slot and so it's really about uh feeding you know ourselves our families and a lot of others uh you know over the years you know with as many ducks as we've shot michael you, you we fed a lot of people yes. so, I mean, absolutely you guys have? You <laughs> so, uh, so we would uh you know that was the thing we we go harvest whatever it is and then uh, one of the real joys besides just being with our, our family and friends and all that, that time that we share is actually delivering the food, you know, delivering to mm-hmm. someone who, who can go do that for whatever reason. And uh, and we go do that. It's no different than the supermarket delivers the same exact things, right? I mean, there are animals that are coming in. I just like the fact that I get to see where mine comes from. I, I You know, uh, sometimes we'll look at them for years, right, Michael? And, and we'll see, you know, and, and we'll go after that. And so a trophy, I mean, it's according to where you're from, you know, a trophy around these parts, it, it may not be a big old thing, but it was one that was hard to get. And so, uh, and, and that's the challenge. And that's what we love. But, um, you know, we're not leaving things out there and all this goes to, to feed people, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh there's churches around here that, 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 that I've taken meat to that we, the, the freezers in the church building. And so, uh, the widows will come up there people are unfortunate and they'll pass out the meat. And so they're really excited. Uh, uh right. when we, when we were able to harvest something, uh, I remember Michael and I, we were in Iowa. And I think we both uh, yep. donated to the, the program there uh, with meat. So we've done this all over the country. I know Don, you've been around the country because for the last couple of years, everywhere I go, they say Don Jr. was just here two weeks ago. I swear I was hawking around everywhere we were hunting or in the outdoors. You had just been there, so I, I, I'm definitely roving. I probably wasn't getting to do as
0: much hunting as you guys were, but uh, I definitely try to fit it in or fishing. You know, when I end up on one of these trips, it's like, hey, let's do it on a Friday, and then I, you know, maybe I can spend a Saturday or a Saturday and a Sunday doing a little bit of uh, fishing, getting my outdoor time in, and it's. You know, for me, it's been one of those things. It's been such an important part of my life. It's where I go to decompress and get away from it all, get, you know, totally disconnected. So, I mean, it's really what I do. It's actually my lifestyle. It's, it's not like, you know, I know plenty of people that, you know, they hunt, but, you know, it's once every other year so they can talk about it at a cocktail party for the next 15 years. I mean, I'm doing this stuff every weekend, and I know that you guys are. Now, you know, hey, we all have one thing in common, which was we have a lot of kids. We have a yes. lot of kids, Okay, right? Michael, you have five. I yes. have five. Willie has six. So we're actually underperforming. I have a feeling we got to do a little bit more hunting and fishing because we have way too much free time on our hands to end up with that many kids. Uh, but, you know, talk to me, guys, about, you know, some of the lessons that you think you know, are so important for the kids, because I, I look at it, whether it's shooting, uh, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, you know, patience, mm-hmm. perseverance, uh, you know the fact that you know it's not an instant gratification kind of game. I mean, you got to spend time. Yeah. Uh, you know these are qualities that just don't exist. You know you you don't get them on Nintendo and sitting from a couch and playing Fortnite, where it's. I mean, I, I think they're such important traits, Michael. You know, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, I know it meant a lot to you, but are you trying to push that onto your kids so they can experience that and whether they get into it or not, to have that skill set and to have those qualities. Uh, you know, I, I think are so important for our kids growing up these days.
1: Well, you, you nailed it. And what it is, Donald, is is to me, hunting is not really a sport. Now, my kids have always been very active in baseball, football. I love it. I love sports. But hunting is more of a deep-rooted culture that when you find it, it sticks with you. And even when you think about video games, you think about baseball games, I can remember some home runs I hit in Little League Baseball. But those times I spent with my papa, even the times I spent with the Robertson family, times I spent with friends, I never, ever, even, ever come close to forgetting those moments, even when it didn't lead to filling a tag. And so really, I've never pushed hunting on my kids. I've just tried to make them proper stewards, no different than we're blessed. We got a pecan orchard here. We got about a thousand trees. We manage and harvest the pecans every year. And obviously a big part of an operation is tractors. My dad, who's 67, which by the way, earlier today, why I was a little bit late jumping on this call was the fact my dad had me out here working on, on my own farm. And I was like, please, will this guy take a break? He never <laughs> quits. We had a sledgehammer driving fence posts. I'm like, Dad, they make an implement. We can do that. You know, we can put these posts in the ground. So he's working me. And my dad is always talking about in this these equipment is making sure you grease the tractors, making sure you change yeah. the oil. And so when you look at that, this tractor is a resource that we use to uh, – to, to make sure we can run a proper business when it comes to harvesting these pecans. Well, when it gets down to the wildlife, hunters a lot of times are misrepresented in the fact that it is a blood sport, that it's about just shooting an animal. If you love something and you respect it, you take care of it, just like we yeah. take care of our tractors. So people like the Robertson families, people like you, Donald, and all these hunters and the 13 million licensed hunters across the country they're always putting back way more than they take. And because oh, yeah. of hunters, we have become the best conservation story on earth, not, yeah. not, not in America, on earth. America has the best resources on earth. And with that, all I wanna do as my kids is just like you said, teach them that this is not a guarantee. This is time you put into it. You always going into the wild and you're always knowing that they're gonna have the advantage. They're, they're very wary, they're smart. They're not wanting to get on our dinner table. They're, yeah. not, they're not like that. It's not like we yeah. go out and shoot an animal. We hunt for an animal and hopefully we're blessed enough to have an opportunity through the yeah. skill, through the patience, through the perseverance that we we go through. And so I just think, like Willie said, I don't think a lot of people truly know. Uh, there's a lot of things happening right now. Our buddy, Jim Livatore is working on a movie called The Harvest that hopefully will help maybe hit mainstream. Maybe we can tell this story a little better. Um, he's working on that, it's called The Harvest. But overall, I just want my kids, as well as the whole country to know, I'm not mad at somebody when they condemn hunting or throw a rock. I just feel like it's up to me and I'm convicted to help share that message and to yeah. know that around our camps, it smiles, everybody's happy, nobody's panicking in a crisis because we're independent, we understand how to hunt. And through hunting, that's all I wanna teach my kids, yeah. is how to take care of something just like the tractor, take care of your resources, take care of these things that the good Lord has given us, and let's make sure that it flourishes. We leave the woods better than we went into it. And if we do those things, we will always have a backup plan. And I don't yeah. care if you're from New York City or LA or Booger Bottom or Monroe, Louisiana, like Robertson's, we have access to survive. And that independence is strong. And I've come to find I finally solved the riddle. I think the very extreme liberal community is terrified of this independence. And yeah. when it comes well, down that, to Well, that's
0: a hundred percent right. I mean, right. They, I mean- the left wants you to be dependent on big government. If, yes. if you are, that's all they have to offer you. Uh, when you're independent, when you can do those things for yourself, that's the problem. And so you know, I've seen for myself, I mean, again, where I grow up, it's not like Booger Bottom where probably everyone has like, a hunting license. Where I grew up, almost nobody does. And so I've taken it upon myself to bring my friends, and it's amazing. You know, I have fr- Anti-hunting, anti-gun, anti-this. I go, you trust me? They go, yeah. I go, give me 12 hours. You know, I'll get them on the range. I'll take them to shoot some clays, shoot some handguns, shoot AR-15s. God forbid, it's an assault (laughs) weapon. Oh no, it's the end of the world. Uh, Not one of those people that I've taken and done it right and done it safely, you know, take them on like a pheasant shoot type of thing. Not one of those people hasn't been like, oh my God, like that that was incredible. When are we going again? I mean, these were people that were vehemently against it, whether it was against guns, whether it was against certainly ARs, uh, whether it was against hunting. One afternoon... And all of a sudden, not only are they, at, you know, net neutral, they're they're actually pro all of the things that they were against. And so, you know, Willie, talk a little bit about that as well, because you know, it, to me, it's that mentorship. I mean, it, hunting—it's not natural necessarily to just get into it if you don't have someone. You know that will take you under their wing. So talk a little bit about what it takes to sort of to be a mentor to open that door, whether it's to a child, whether it's to you know, a woman, whether it's you know, whoever it may be that may not be a hunter. Because I think it's our responsibility, you know, to show them what Michael said about you know the experience, but you know also show them and have them realize what hunters and conservationists have done to preserve the animals and the land uh, that, that is so pristine in America.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I mean, if you think about, unless you're on a really hot hole for ducks or something, ninety-nine percent of your hunting is not shooting. You're just sitting there, <laughs> or you're walking. You know, it's. I think people think you're just out there just unloading all this ammo, and it, that we all know that's not the case. I mean, you're gonna sit, you're gonna wait, like you said, you you got to persevere, you got to be patient. And a lot of that time in the woods is just is some of my favorite time. It's amazing what you see out there. And so when I think about mentorship, uh, you know, I can take a, a younger person or someone who hasn't hunted a lot. We can just walk in the woods, you know, just for fun. And, and I can show you all kind of neat things and things that happen that, that a lot of uh, uh, city folks don't see. You know, they just don't see all the you know, the birds and the squirrels and all these things that, that are going on, even the activities of deer or ducks and how they react. And so that's enjoyable to me. And I love showing that. Whether or not we pull the trigger or not, and all three of us know that we don't have to pull a trigger. You know, oh, yeah. there's many times we don't. We choose and Then We say, "Ah, this wasn't the day," and we, you know, we we had what we, you know, did. And so um, uh, that's what it's about. It's just it's getting people out there. It's a great chance to talk, especially duck hunting. I mean, it's such a yeah. social sport. Um, even deer, like Michael and I, we there's also teamwork because we film most everything we're at and so it's me and someone else and we're up there and we're trying to we're trying to capture this so that you know other people will be able to see this and enjoy this and uh it's difficult but it's like a team up there trying to work. you yeah. gotta be quiet you know you, you can't move and so it's amazing and then when you get animals that close to you i don't care who you are uh when you get a deer sitting there eating 10 yards away from you or 10 feet away from you it, your heart will be pumping, you know, uh, I don't care what deer it is, you know, no, it's, it's, it's amazing to close to something wild. There, and there is so much diversity, I
0: mean, so much, so much of what I'm into, I mean, it's, you know, give me a backpack and a rifle and drop me off in the Yukon and I'll see you in 14 days, you know, hundreds of miles away from a road, you know, and, I, you know, chasing, you know, sheep. I mean, that's sort of my thing. And, uh, you know, the hunt, it, the, the pulling the trigger is a fraction of a second, but it's two weeks of, you know, wearing a 60 pound pack and hiking, you know, ten to twenty miles a day, and you know, literally no trails, no nothing, just breaking trails through some of the most pristine wilderness there is. Camping out under the stars, like, uh, you know, that's just amazing. But then you you contrast that to to duck hunting, and, and Will, you're right. I mean, you know, you want to have a good time with buddies. You know, you, you get into a duck blind early in the morning, and you can talk, and you know, you got to be quiet when they're around. Uh, but it, it's such a it's such a great communal experience. It's sort of like being around the campfire, but. Uh, You know, during the day and with guns. Uh, So, you know, the the duck thing, which is obviously you you do it all, Willie. But I mean, that's so much what you guys are known for. You know, some of the greatest conversations, some of the, the best friendships I've made have been in a duck blind and just having that time with buddies to talk when, again, you're just so removed from everything else in the world. It just makes it really special.
2: I think the reason you're going to get dropped off for a month in the woods because you cooped up in New York City. So, of course, you're waiting <laughs> to get out there.
0: <laughs> uh, dude, I, I know. That, that was the problem with, like, the quarantine and everything. I was like, this is great. I can go into my cabin. I can go. You know, I was I don't want to say this in a way. You know, someone will take it the wrong way and make a big deal of it. So I'm going to throw the disclaimer language out there. But I'm like, wait a minute. Like, uh I'm sort of in my happy place right now. Like I can't be around other people. I get to be at my cabin. Yeah. I'm in the woods. I'm, I'm a thousand yards from anyone. This is this is great. Uh, uh, yeah, so most people probably wouldn't know that about me, but I know that you guys do.
1: Absolutely. One thing I was going to say too, and I'll tell the story, and I, I've not even, I've shared it with Willie, and I, or at least I've said thank you. But we, we talk so much about, you know, obviously conservation. We talk about hunting and why it's legit. I mean, obviously, the Lord gave us dominion to have a chance to hunt these, these animals and the fisheries and, and to not only have a chance to use it for our family, for our table fare, but also to, to take care of it. But so much don't get said about the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the tight knit uh, camaraderie. And, and we all go through different changes in our life. We go through diversity. We have happy times, we have high times, we have low times. And one of the lowest times I was in my life was right in the middle of really the, when my career was going the best with bone collector and stuff. Willie had just started Duck Dynasty. And, Van, let me tell you that the Robertsons went from, uh, you know, some guys who were duck hunting to literally like, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are freaking, everybody knows them all around the world. I had relatives. That finally thought I was cool because I knew the Robertsons. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, I've
0: walked through an airport with Willie during the the peak, and I was like, "This is yeah. great! I don't have to take any selfies." They're all taking them with Willie. Exactly. This is This was like the greatest place. That, you know, it's sort of hard to hide that beard with the bandana. I was like, "Perfect!" It was like a it was like the best decoy. It was like an anti selfie decoy. It was the greatest.
2: I now it's it, over. It was... Now it's over. Now I'm back. Yeah, they, they, I mean, I'm like back to square one. I can't, I,
1: uh, for the risk of sounding sissy, man, I mean, you, you're looking really handsome, Willie. I will say, <laughs> not, that you, not that you didn't before,
2: but well, but, but the that, cul- uh, Don's came out of the closet, so there we go. We're I, all- I know <laughs> it. We're yeah. Crazy. Yeah.
0: We're, hey, we're we're really pushing the boundaries today, <laughs> but it's Tom 2020, and that's okay. No one
1: cares, right? <laughs> but one thing, one thing I was gonna say, and I'm telling you, this man has meant the world to me, and it sums up the camaraderie of hunting. You know, you know, Donald, you grew up in New York City, Monroe, Louisiana, me, Booger Bottom, and all across this world, from all different religions, from all different races and cultures, when you're in hunting camp, it's all the same. And I was going through a tough time, and I never get Willie and I and his crew. We were in camp. Uh, Duck Dynasty was in full swing. They they were doing great. Willie and I were hunting deer in Iowa and uh, muzzleloader hunting. And Willie, he could tell us, the, man, what, are you all right? He could just tell something was going on just because we're friends. We didn't talk yeah. all the time. I kind of shared with my story and I never get Willie hugged me. and said, buddy, I love you. And we pr- he prayed for me and with me. And i never forget that moment was huge because it let me know through outdoors and hunting, it had nothing to do with what we were doing in our businesses or what Willie could gain from Bone Collector or what I could gain from Duck Dynasty and being, it was a friendship. And yeah. what's special about that, that wasn't something Willie did specifically for me. Anybody in that camp, and if you look and and you are that person, you become somebody's true confidant and friend. And each and every one of us has been through tough times. You know, yeah. you know, Donald, you and I have been friends for the last several years. And anytime I see something, whether it's true or not, on the news, my first text is, hey, buddy, if you ever need to get away, campfire's open. And that is yep. code word for knowing I'm here for you, I love you, and, and the people just don't realize, one, one thing I'll add, we cut up Ben from Bottom, Run Row. we pick on Willie by his beard, long hair, and I really do believe that everybody thought the world was just gonna be laughing at a bunch of hillbillies from uh, Bastrop, Louisiana or that area in Monroe, Louisiana, but in reality, you realize these guys are smart, they're passionate, they love the good Lord, they love their resources, they fight protect it, and they were very funny and very witty and very educated. And so yeah. with that, sometimes this world says, do not stereotype, do not judge a book by the cover. And look at me, I'm, I've got a beard now. Donald, you got a beard, and so we. I just want to be handsome like you guys. <laughs> well, shoot, man. Well, well I, we, we we all try it, I guess. But when it gets down to it, if anybody's out there listening today, I don't care if they're from L.A. I don't care what big city, I don't care from what area, in a crisis. And even if you look at us and think, how in the world, out of all the guests that. Junior could have on his podcast. He picked Willie and Michael Waddell. Well, let me just tell you this. The reason is because you understand what this culture represents. We're assets to America, not just me and Willie. I'm saying this culture. And what I mean by that, in a crisis, something happens. I don't care what kind of crazy thing you're living on. If you want to stereotype, I'm saying I'm not mad if you stereotype me. I'm not mad if you stereotype my friend Willie because his dad's probably riding around right now in real tree camouflage and probably ain't changed socks and got an old rusted out truck with a bunch of duck feathers in it. If something happens and your kid or you are in a crisis, you run and you find somebody that looks like Willie. You find somebody with a duck commander sticker, find somebody with a bone collector sticker, maybe find somebody with an NRA sticker on the back of their truck. You jump in that truck. I promise you, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter who you are or what you believe in. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, or conservative. I promise on the Bible that that man or that woman will protect you. He he understands the Second Amendment. He's probably got a concealed to carry permit. He will protect you and feed you. Now, you might have to eat squirrel, duck, or maybe potted meat or
2: buying <laughs> hey, sausage. I've had he squirrel. Protect you.
0: Yes. I've had squirrel. It's, it's it's delicious. And, and Mike, you know, to, your, to your point, I mean, you know that's right i mean even in 16 when you came out you know in support of us i mean some of these like let's call it soros funded type organizations yeah. You know, I, I may have been, but, you know, I, I won't put words in your mouth. I won't say, but let's say allegedly, you know, George Soros type organizations went after you just to try to hurt you for being supportive because they recognize that the community means a lot. They recognize that we go to bat for each other. So, you know, you're not just saying this. You've actually gone through some of that nonsense, just like I have. So, you know, you, you guys have been awesome at that. And honestly, you know, Willie, for you guys, uh, you know, whether it was Phil, yourself, your brothers, I mean, you, you've been so welcoming to me, not just as friends, but even politically, like, hey, when something's going on, can we show up to an event? You know, when your father you know, has given the opening prayer, uh, you know, it, it's just been absolutely amazing, and again, That's not easy in the world in which we live. That's not easy when you have television shows or sponsors or these kind of things because, you know, in this world, obviously Donald Trump can do nothing right. It's it's always bad. Uh, And and you guys have sort of taken that with a grain of salt, said, doesn't matter. These are the people we like. These are what we believe in. So, you know, I just want to thank both of you uh, because that means the world to me as well. And I think, you know, we're fighting for, you know, the freedoms of America, the Constitution, everything that we're so, use, so used to loving. And I really do believe that's at threat when you see the plans that are being put forth by the other side. That's not me guessing. Those plans, that's on their website. You know, it's, it's there and it's real. So I just want to thank you guys for that. So me, to wrap up, I do have, you know, w- one last question. All right? You have, you have one hunt left to do. One hunt. What is it? And with who? Let's start with you, Willie. What do you think?
2: One hunt hunt left. Um, I do want to say thank you for asking me on here, and I I just want to say what a historic week this is to get this passed. You know, When you start thinking about bills being passed and hadn't been passed since 50 years that we've helped out the outdoors and our parks, and uh, that's just awesome. So congratulations to the administration and, you know, I just wanted to celebrate that. Um, well, I appreciate right. so, it. Yeah. So my, uh, it would have to be a, a duck, out with dad. uh, maybe a little more north of where we're at. Cause we don't exactly ducks, but, uh, uh, just, just being with him and, uh, he, hearing that wisdom he's got. Cause you know, our, our, parents get older. We don't know how much longer we have with them. And, and yeah. I know we'll miss that day when you just can't go down there and do that. So, uh, Uh, so that's my hunt. I'm, I'm simple, man. I'm not, you know, I ain't been up there chasing goats and sheep around. I ain't much running around (laughs) in mountains. Well, listen, I've been in
0: camp with you guys and you can't hunt like the Robertsons do because it's not just a hunt. It's a full commitment. I mean, the food, by the way, you're a much better chef than you are a hunter. I mean, (laughs) these guys, and and Michael, You you know this for a fact. I mean yeah. these these Robertson boys, these guys are like this isn't like, hey, we're slapping together a sandwich for dinner. I mean, this is a procedure and they do it well and they do it right. So I you know, one of my last may be with that, because you know I, I had such a good time with you guys, but it's that whole experience, the camaraderie. The, the dinner afterwards and the food. I mean, I've just had such a great time with you guys, but yeah, uh, the one thing that Willie is probably not known for is he is a phenomenal chef. He did like a four hour dinner one time in camp and it was him and me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, he did like, it was like a you know, crawfish, egg touffe with this, that, and the other. I mean, it was four hours. I go, it's <laughs> really, you and me, I'll have a power bar. Like, now, I'm glad he did it because it was one of the best meals I've ever had. But, like, how many times have I eaten in hunting camp? But I remember that, you know, he went through this thing. Uh, it was amazing. So, you know, I'm still waiting for him to teach me how to cook like that. I'm okay, but not like that. Louisiana, you boys, you know, you do that stuff special. And we just, it's hard to duplicate anywhere
2: else almost. Uh, we're, we, we're passionate about our food and our hunting, that's for sure. And, and our and our. And our
1: One thing I will say, another unknown talent, you should be in camp when not only is he cooking, people don't know that, and you already hear him karaoke. I mean, Steve Perry is already insecure after he's place on Journey. We just did it. And so uh, I I got to see
0: that. Well, listen, if you you talk with Phil again, you talk about not judging a book by his cover, he's one of the most well read people I know. Uh, you, you you wouldn't, you know, you're like, Oh, you look, you're just like, Oh, no way. Uh, you know, this is not a guy to be trifled with academically. I mean, it, it, these are no. smart guys. And again, it's not the way the world likes to group us or look at us or something like that. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more there. So, you know, what about you, Mike, what, you know, last one, what is
1: it? Well, it goes along with kind of what Willie is saying, and it just shows a true testament, testament about hunting for me. I would be on a turkey hunt with my dad on opening day in Georgia because I've never missed a single opening day with my dad wow. turkey hunting since I was 12 years old. And so that's, I don't even, I, I'm not as good at math to figure out that, but it's been many, many years, 30 something years. And so uh, when I look back on that, it's obviously not about if we could get one. It's again, like Willie said, it's about that wisdom. It's about one more time with somebody you love and respect. And for me, that would be the ultimate, I mean, the ultimate um the, the ultimate.
2: Oh, did, did we lose Mike? <clears throat> we lost him on ultimate. Let's see. This- hey, guys, I got it <laughs> off.
1: I'm so there sorry. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you stop <laughs> cranking it down. I'm to keep I the electricity it. going. Oh. Crank
0: that thing, Michael. I, <laughs> man,
1: I, that I, that I, generator I, ain't going to run itself. You got to crank it. I've got all five
0: of my kids running on the treadmill to keep this power going, man. <laughs> <laughs> One of them stopped got a Gatorade, I think. <laughs> but listen, I, yeah, that, that was awesome. Man. And I, I'm glad you said, because like, again, of all the things you could do, it's, it's sometimes it's the most simple. It's the most basic. And that's what it all is. That's what the great outdoors is about. That's what America's about. You know, it's that tradition of friends and family. And honestly, you know, the outdoors, you know, hunting, fishing, I can't think of a better way to just get away from the craziness that is the world that we live in today. I'm hoping that maybe with the COVID-19 crisis, and I'm hearing from our friend, you know, Johnny Morris from Bass Pro Shops. And, you know, he's saying, wow, there's so many people coming to the store. They're just buying fishing gear and they're buying, you know, geared for the outdoors and camping. And, you know, I just hope that more Americans get to experience what we know so intimately, what we know and love, because I promise you guys, America, the great outdoors will be good to you, it'll be good for you, and you're gonna really appreciate a whole different aspect of life. It is about the experience, not about pulling a trigger, not about anything else, it's about that experience, about the friendship, about the camaraderie. And guys, thank you so much for being here with me today. I look forward to getting back into a duck blind, or hunting camp, or around a campfire with you guys. Uh, right now, uh, I'm pretty busy till November 3rd, but come late season, I'm gonna be back out there making up for lost time. So. Really thank you guys both very much. Willie Robertson again, thank you. Michael Waddell, you guys are the best. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your support. And I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Be good, guys.
1: Thank you.